episode two, Love in the Time of Coronavirus. Hello, and welcome to Millennial Bitch. The podcast for millennial bitchin' by two bitchin' millennials. I'm Shelby. And I'm Jenny. And we're here to talk about millennials and global crises. But first, life updates. It's been about three months since we last podcasted. Um, yeah, that's a long time. I think part of that was holiday travel. Uh, we'll get into it, but um, yeah, it's been a little while. So for me, uh, I'm currently working at home and actually I also currently have a cold, which this is a really great time to have a cold, by the way. <laughs> it's really good for my nerves. It's really good for my anxiety to have this cold right now. So I'm gonna try not to <laughs> sniffle too much, but certainly if I sound like a not well person, as far as I know, it's just a regular cold. I'm currently working at home because my college has canceled face-to-face classes. So my students are kind of panicked, um, or maybe they're kind of enjoying it. I don't know. To me, they seem panicked, but maybe they're having fun not being in class. Um, I'm certainly enjoying my reducing my risk of getting coronavirus, although again, with this cold, we'll see how it goes. Um, <laughs> the, te- the cases are growing in my surrounding area. There aren't any where I actually live right now, but like literally all around us. So that's been fun. Um, otherwise, I got a second cat recently. Uh, his name is Clovis, and he's very loud, and he likes to sleep on my shoulder, so that's been fun. Him and my other cat, Hugo, so far are getting along okay, so that's been kind of nice to have extra, I don't know, things living in my apartment while I'm <laughs> under self-quarantine, uh, because it just it keeps me busy. So that's what I've been up to. He's really, really cute, um, even though he's loud. Yeah. Um, so... He's... <laughs> After my three-week vacation in the States, uh, I came home to the UK, and I opened my own business in January, early January, and that was going really, really well. Um, I had kind of, at that point, decided to like embrace being fully self-employed. Um, I work uh, part-time for another company, um, a literacy company, uh, and I'm a contractor with them. Um, so yeah, I opened the full studio, and it was really going quite well until like a couple of weeks ago um obviously I'm in Europe so I'm like closer to the spread of coronavirus in some ways um but the UK it's we have like less cases than other places um and I live in a really isolated area um of the UK so there's not a lot of public transport links there even though we're not that far from London and uh it's taken kind of a while for it to reach us um, I think the last I saw, there were only 24 confirmed cases in our area, uh, which isn't very high when you consider like kind of how big the region is. That, that's in my county and it's like quite a big county. Um, uh, and so everything was going okay. Like people were starting to panic by um, about beginning of last week. Like there's no toilet paper, there's no you know, pasta, none of that sort of staple food yeah. stuff. No eggs, you can't find eggs anywhere, um, which is really frustrating. Like we don't have very, at the time we only had like four confirmed cases in our region, like in all of the East of England um, and people were still going bananas. Um, and then the government kind of put off shutting everything down until Friday. And that's when I got like the news that I was gonna have to close my doors. So yeah, I am now the proud owner of a completely online business <laughs> for pole dancing and other fitness stuff. Um, 
But yeah, also the community is really pulling together. Um, I'm now in a WhatsApp group with a lot of people on my street. Um, and that's just kind of like lots of people saying, hey, you know, if anybody needs help with anything, I'm, I'm happy to go into town and get it for you. Or if anybody needs groceries delivered, that sort of thing. So it is really, it's nice. Um, yeah, it's tough. <laughs> Yeah. I'm lucky though because I, I do have another job and I've been doing that job from home. So. Yeah, and that's good. And you're trying to make that lemonade out of lemons still. So, yeah. Um, Many lemons. I don't, I don't <laughs> envy your position for sure. Um, yeah. uh, as I think I talked about last time, I'm uh, contracted still. So, even if the whole school were to shut down, I think I would still get paid. That's a definite think because who knows in this situation. <laughs> So I'm very privileged in this area. I feel very more secure. So I definitely um, admire people who are still able to, to try to make that work um, yeah. given the circumstances. Well, and education is like such a good area to be in right now because education can be conducted like virtually and you know, yeah. the, sh the show must go on. Whereas um, I know some people who are in fields where it's like typically a really secure, stable, um, field to be in but because of like the work that they do for specific like the specific kind of companies that they serve those companies mm -hmm. are not going to be needing them um until yeah. this gets lifted so they're kind of like looking at what that looks like the difference is though is like their employees so um the uk government is already sort of providing a lot of help for people who have been affected who are employed by other people um yeah. And that's not the case when it comes to like self-employed people, unfortunately, and especially self-employed people who are on visas, mm. uh, like myself. Yeah, that's true. Because if you haven't heard from my our first episode, I'm not English, and never have been, <laughs> and I am <laughs> <laughs> not able to be. I'm not able to get indefinitely to remain or become an English person for some time. Yeah. So, um. Anyway. Well, um, with all of this good news to talk about, we're going to keep the theme of uh, COVID-19 or coronavirus going. Um, I think it's time to play Millennial or Not again, uh, the COVID-19 edition. Yay! Yay. <laughs> well, let's just stereotype. <laughs> well, let's just stereotype, and each of us will answer as to whether or not we think it fits us. You can play along with us. All right, so the first one is that millennials will never buy a house. I mean, at the rate things are going, I think it's going to be a buyer's market very, very soon. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Nobody's going to be able to afford to, like, be buying expensive houses. Mm -hmm. um, the economy is already sort of tanking. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I don't know. It's not a huge priority for me right now, uh, but my rent has not increased for three years. And for all the time that I've lived in the house that I live in now. Yeah. Um, and I don't have any particular plans to like set down sort of long lasting roots where I am at the moment, even though I opened a business here, which seems counterintuitive, <laughs> counter obviously. Um, so it's just, it's not a priority for me right now. Yeah, it's really never been a priority for me. I've always kind of had the mentality of, being a little afraid to fully commit to a house and by, by purchasing it and like being sure that that's where I'm going to be and like for a while. Um, so I've never really minded renting. I will say lately though, with where I'm living, it's, I live near an oil field. So 
prices of things <laughs> fluctuate so much. My rent has climbed up and up since I moved in. So it might plummet again with the recent stuff going on. I don't know. But I kind of would like to, I've been, a, I've been a little more interested lately in perhaps finding a place that I for sure want to be and then just uh, putting some money down and hopefully having some stability. Of course, not perfect stability, but at least like some stability in terms of that because my experience here has sort of opened my eyes to the price gouging that can happen uh, depending where you're living. <laughs> so I'm a bit... Especially where you yeah. live. Like if you If you live by an oil field, it's just who knows what's going to happen day to day with the prices of anything. So uh, <laughs> it's been very interesting. Um, so I'm kind of, I guess, in the middle. Um, so our next stereotype is that millennials are lonelier, having less sex, can't get a date, whatever, um, than our parents. Um, yeah. Um, so not to be too much of a fence walker, I guess, but <laughs> this is another one that I waffle on quite often. <laughs> um, I feel like a politician right now. I'm like right down the middle with this. Um, so uh, lately, and this is something I've been thinking about often, uh, so I was kind of, I was pleasantly surprised to see that you picked this one because this is something I've, I've been thinking about to some extent separately from this. So Sometimes I would say I don't feel lonely at all, and other times I do. I personally am not currently in a relationship, um, but I do have some good friends from work, uh, but we also have a lot of different commitments, I guess. Um, a lot of the people I know are parents and have kids uh, and are married, so it's just different uh, types of things. So I do have friends, um, um, but I do find that I often do, I'm fine on my own. Like I don't necessarily have much of a problem uh, dealing with things. As long as I have some people in my orbit, I'm not too concerned. I do kind of fall into a rut, I think, of I'm just going to go to work and then go home and watch Netflix and then do it all again the next day. Um, but then once I break out of that, I'm like, oh, right, there's happiness to be found <laughs> outside of just doing those same things every day. So I think I'm, I'm maybe kind of the stereotype in some ways where, like, like for someone looking in, it probably looks lonely, but I don't know. I'm losing my train of thought, so I'm just going to say kind of. I'm kind of in this scenario. <laughs> um, I think that makes sense. Like, I definitely was doing that for a while right out of college because I would, like, go to work, and then I would be really tired, and I came home, yeah. and I would just, like, fall asleep, and then I get up and go to work. Yeah. And, yeah, it was sort of, like, work, eat, sleep, work, eat, sleep. Um, and... Um, the thing that really changed that for me was like finding pole yeah. and like the pole community and stuff. And I made a lot of friends through that <clears throat> who were very into like going out and doing stuff. Yeah. I think like naturally for like for you, you're quite introverted. Yes, this is a fair <laughs> um, point. This is probably something I should have mentioned in my answer. <laughs> I am quite introverted. Um, yeah. And like, yeah, like, you know, I, we can sit and like talk and hang out for like hours on yeah, end. No problem. Like one-on-one, -on -one, but you don't need a lot, like you don't need a lot of people around you yeah. um, to like feel socially fulfilled. Yeah. Um, I think I'm like, I'm kind of the same way. I wouldn't consider myself introverted, but I also like, I don't, obviously I don't really believe in sort of like you're either an introvert or an extrovert or like you have yeah. to label yourself an amb ambivert or whatever. <laughs> like, I think it depends on what's going on in my yeah. life. Um, because it, it, when I was like doing social work, like I was around young people who were struggling, who were homeless, who had a lot of trauma all day long. 
and I found that I actually needed more social social interaction from people in my life then than I do now and I think the reason is because when you're kind of dealing with that intensity of interaction mm -hmm. and like having to sort of um help people problem solve and and improve their lives in such a like dramatic way um I worked in like housing and and also in like uh dropout prevention you then need to have like normal contact with pe other people <laughs> like you need to have like interactions with people that are not like so I got kicked out of the house again by yeah. the person that I was living with and I slept in the park last night like I needed yeah. some sort of normalcy in a in a social type conversation yeah definitely. and you don't get that from work when you're a social worker um when I worked when I worked as a receptionist uh or another job like that when I worked at Starbucks that sort of thing and now as a teacher I get lots of social interaction like I have normal meaningful conversations with people all the time and often they're entertaining and people are lovely um especially my students now who come to my poll classes um so I find that I don't need as much social social interaction as I did when I was a social worker which seems really counterintuitive I think so I don't feel particularly lonely. I've never really, yeah, I've never really felt particularly lonely, but I'm also very good at making friends um, yeah. and like kind of putting myself out there. Like, I don't, I don't think I come by it like more naturally than any other person, but like, I just push myself to do it anyway. Um, I'm very good at like getting myself out of my comfort zone. Um, yeah. I have a big comfort zone, but I'm really good at just like pushing myself out of it. And yeah, you out. really are um i'm perfectly content in my comfort zone i'm like great <laughs> this is nice. i'm like reaching in dragging you out I'm like we're gonna do this thing um yeah um no and i like um, your, your point too about how because you mentioned students a lot and like i think that's part of my thing too is i work with my most students are younger than me for the most part and also they're students so it's not like i'm friends with my students i'm not that kind of professor i swear um <laughs> and uh a lot of the people i do know at school we talk about school and that's kind of all that we talk about say for again the handful of people i said I, I know who um do have i didn't mean to make it sound like they were boring i mean they do have kids and they're married <laughs> but they're you know it's just we have different commitments and different things we have to do so different priorities uh, yeah exactly different priorities and so we still do like fun things and hang out um but for the most part the people i know we talk about work um so it's i think that's also some something to to work on yeah i think there's also the thing of like we're like you know there's the joke being like millennials are like surviving social distancing because we're already really good at it um, <laughs> and it's like i think it's just because yeah like we talked about in our last episode we kind of came of age in the age of the internet and that was you know I, when we were teenagers it was like myspace and facebook and everything and um like that's kind of when a lot of social stuff was moving online and then as we came into our like our early 20s like there was tinder so it was meeting yeah. people online like you know plenty of fish like all of these kind of dating apps that are like really geared toward millennials specifically and that's just become the norm yeah. you know <clears throat> and then it evolved into like bumble and hinge and all of, yeah. i don't even know i'm, I'm so behind I, just them, like, barely, like, I know i just barely heard about hinge and like i'm not really on any dating websites anyway but i was like what's hinge like people keep talking about <laughs> it's like it doesn't day. sound like a dating app either it doesn't. Um, 
but I think that like it's we've kind of redefined what meaningful sort of human contact can be because when you think about people who like play games online and like meet each other in places like reddit um yeah I think you can form really meaningful connections that way and we don't have the same like at least in the UK especially in the UK we don't really rely on the same sort of um societal structures like church um to meet people like that used to be where like people went and socialized was like Mm -hmm. church functions and stuff like that and things that were held by like the NHS um like groups that you would meet people through and I think a lot of that had to do with being married or like trying to get married and there's just not very much pressure to do that anymore yeah or at least not in the same way I think there's pressure not to be alone but there's not pressure to like get married and have kids and like a church wedding and that sort of thing um for most people here anyway I think that's where I'm kind of trying to live because I think uh to some older generations they might look at my scenario and say oh you're very lonely you're not married you don't have like a serious relationship right now and for me it's it's not necessarily lonely it's just it is also not that pressure though of having to do those things right now yeah um yeah yeah I think that's sort of where I try and live that's probably one of my more millennial aspects of myself (laughs) is trying to, to to live in that balance yeah it's like being alone but not lonely and I I was like that for a long time like I I have a boyfriend um and we've been together yeah. for five years this year it'll be um yeah I know right yeah. <laughs> like my relationship congratulations <laughs> thanks <laughs> um yeah so it'll be five years in July yeah July um we were long distance for the first year of it which would have been I think impossible without like Skype and like Facebook Messenger yeah. and everything because that was just like how we mm-hmm. kept in touch it was how we kept in you know communication for so long um and we were able to like build a lot from that because yeah like not being near each other like you have to talk all the time before we got together I was single for like four years and it really didn't bother me very much like I went on a few dates but it just wasn't the be all end all for me like going on tinder date and like finding the yeah. ride or whatever I just like wasn't that concerned it like it was you know it's nice like going on a date and having a nice time is a nice thing to do and sometimes it leads to something and sometimes it doesn't but it wasn't really a huge priority for me because I had a lot going on at the time so yeah it's it's interesting yeah I would say like I am often alone except for my boyfriend <laughs> but I am not often lonely I think that's a good button and way to sum it up uh on that answer so then we'll move on to our third stereotype which is that millennials don't know how to deal with the world's problems and that's a very big big claim um yeah I think it comes from like baby boomers who like didn't really experience war but the parents did mm, yeah (laughs) (laughs) I guess like there you know there's like Vietnam and and Korea and stuff um but yeah, it's this sort of like you know, ripper snappers don't even know know how to deal with like, you know, everyday life, let alone sort of global problems. And I feel like the last several weeks has really proved that everybody's wrong. <laughs> I feel like we're doing better than baby boomers and Gen Zers right now. I think baby boomers and their parents could probably really like I think they have baggage from things like World War Two. There are definitely people like who are saying here that it's older people who are part of the problem because they're like refusing to stay home (laughs) which 
I don't know how true that is. I think there's lots of older people who realize that they should stay yeah. home and they are doing that. Yeah. But I think there's kind of, there's a mix of sort of like baby boomers being like panic buying everything. There's a lot yeah. of millennials being like, stop panic buying everything. Like, <laughs> please, love of God. And then yeah. there's a lot of older people being like, this is nothing. Like we survived the blitz, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of the feeling in the UK. Generally, um, millennials are much more sort of literate in things like, you know, climate change. Um, I think that we're becoming much more literate about politics, um, especially. And we're kind of what's driving a lot of the change that's going on, like when we're not divided every turn. Um, so I think that, yeah, like we're much better at handling the world's problems than people think we are. I think that stereotype's not true. But I do think that some of the stereotypes that like are true about us, like that we're shut-ins and that we're yeah. like all freelancers <laughs> and part of the gig economy are like, also some of the things that allow us to be good at dealing with global crises <laughs> yeah like the gig economy is still going strong like we're doing okay um yeah with all of our side hustles <laughs> like this is the reason I haven't just like collapsed into like total panic and anxiety because I have two jobs like it's like one will be there if the other is not so it's yeah. okay that's how no, and it. exactly and I think that was part of my answer too that it turns out some of the things that have been sort of mocked about millennials in some situations are helpful. So I think, you know, all of the generations maybe have something that makes them more or less equipped um, to deal with some things. And so I think it, it seems that millennials are maybe a little more emotionally in tune with different issues than some other generations before us. Um, like you mentioned, I'm sure it's somewhat of an exaggeration about the baby boomers not taking this crisis seriously but I think there is some truth to it that perhaps some older generations are so stuck with the way that things are supposed to work um, whereas I think millennials are a little more flexible with the way that things are quote-unquote supposed to work so it's easier to maybe kind of shift what we're kind of seeing the world and how that's supposed to be. I think that's kind of a function of age as well. Yeah um, for sure. The thing is is like as you people used to say um that as you got older you're more likely to become conservative like politically conservative and kind of the studies actually dis disprove that what they prove is you get more and more rigid in your point of view yeah <laughs> as you get older mm -hmm. because yeah you as who you are sort of like solidifies over time yeah. into a person like absolutely who your personality becomes more stable over time like you definitely change but um, your belief system definitely becomes more rigid, which I think is really interesting. And so it's that flexibility, I think, that like part yeah. of it's youth and then part of it is, I think, growing up in the recession, um, yeah. you just, you're always like pe preparing for the unexpected, yeah, I guess. I think so. Um, which I think like my grand, like my grandparents' generation does really well because they grew up in times of terrible uncertainty in some cases, you mm. know, they were coming of age in when World War II was going on and sort of the after effects of that. Um, uh, but I think baby boomers, because they grew up in such like relative stability, yeah. um, especially affluent baby boomers, like a lot of them just like don't know how to cope um, <laughs> with stuff like this because they're like, well, everything was fine when I was in my twenties and thirties. Like 
and don't yeah. understand why it's not fine now for all of you in your 20s and 30s and it's like well I get that but you know it's times are different um yeah I, I think that's sort of the key to it is that every new decade every new generation has different problems I mean problems evolve whether it's technology problems or it's wars or it's viruses apparently I mean, there's always <laughs> something new so each new generation is going to be more uniquely equipped to deal with it, I think, just from the process yeah. of being more familiar with your generation. Um, so when something like this comes up, it's like, oh, we kind of know how to deal with social distancing, for example, or we kind of know how to, <laughs> how to do this because we're part of this generation. Um, and I also, yeah. this is maybe a timeless reference, but it's been haunting me. It's this 80s sitcom parody called Dinosaurs. Oh my um, God. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about dinosaurs. <laughs> right? It's it's wild. So that's really all that you need to know is it's a dinosaur family and they're sort of parodying like the sitcoms of the eighties. It's, it's like a like stereotypical Roseanne. family. It's very bizarre. Yeah. And Real like the, the main Roseanne. joke of the show <laughs> really is a lot of Roseanne. Um and really the main joke of the show, honestly, is that there's a baby dinosaur and he always refers to the dad as not the mama and like throws a frying pan at his head. So that's the kind of humor that usually happens in the show. Um, but it ends on this really dark note where it ends essentially with the extinction of the dinosaurs. And it ends with all of them looking out and saying, it's going to be fine. We've been here for millions of years. We can't just all disappear. Um, or something to that effect. <laughs> And it's been haunting me, <laughs> the memory of this, this whole time. Oh my God. And I think sometimes, just by, like you mentioned, just from nature of knowing, like, things have always worked a certain way for older generations, whereas near, like, younger generations, we have not been alive as long, so we're not quite as set. I think sometimes there is that mindset that I've seen about, like, COVID-19. It'll be fine. There's no way that this could, like, end anything or ruin anything anyone or you know destroy the yeah. economy or <laughs> <Yeah>. meanwhile <laughs> exactly back at the ramp um and i'm not trying to make an age joke for saying <laughs> <laughs> the dinosaurs. Fucking dinosaurs. i just realized there's that implication that's not what i'm trying to say i'm just saying that i think there's that mindset um that scares me a little bit uh yeah. and that i can't quite commit to because maybe just because i'm younger and i haven't um had time to set my ways as much yet or maybe again just from having all this information available to us all the time I think we're able to see a little more easily how this is affecting yeah different places and how maybe this could easily spiral or something like this yeah. could easily spiral I think I see sort of like the people who this kind of leads into our next one is like the people who aren't taking COVID-19 seriously who aren't social distancing like it's really frustrating and I think a lot of the time it's like like much younger people and also affluent people. <laughs> and, and the reason I bring this up is because I think this applies to a lot of the things that sort of get attributed to millennials is that like we're very spoiled, for instance. And like, you know, we had like, you know, it was all participation medals and things like that. Um, and I think yeah. that the those stereotypes come from affluent millennials. But I think that those stereotypes yeah. are true of most affluent people. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. And I think the thing is, is like when, you know, it's, it's similar to that mentality of like 16 year olds who get cars and they do really dangerous things in cars and they yeah. like don't have any sort of sense of their own mortality yet. But then 
when people sort of like go through the normal aging process that leads their brain to develop further, like they stop taking those kinds of risks, even if they're interested in the same things, because they've mm -hmm. like realized their own mortality that they're not invincible. Um, yeah. And I think it's sort of like, yeah, it's young people and, and very affluent people who are like, it's fine. Well, you have all of these people who are like, you know, on spring break and like refusing to leave the beaches. Well, you know why? Because they have private health, you know, they have good health insurance. They have parents with money for good doctors who can take care of them, that sort of thing. Like, but, but the people who are like most affected by this, who like really should, who can't afford that risk are also the ones that are having to go out and continue to do their jobs because they can't afford to leave their jobs. But like they're the taking the most precautions a lot of time because they're so nervous about getting sick and either getting really seriously yeah. ill, infecting somebody else, or that they're going to get seriously ill, especially in the U.S. and they're not going to have any medical care. So yeah, I mean, I was just reading a story <laughs> about someone in her bill. I won't give the exact numbers. I didn't have the article ready, but like a crazy amount of money, like thirty-four thousand at least, um, was her bill. Uh, for being treated for the coronavirus without insurance. So, and a lot of people in the U.S. don't have insurance. Um, so, yeah, it's, I think yeah. that's a, a really good point. Yeah, I think I think this is true, but like just a lot of phenomena that come up over the years. Like, mm -hmm. it. I think it's really easy to like not take anything super seriously when you know you're gonna like the recession, for instance. Like, people made a lot of really terrible decisions during the recession, but a lot of those people that did that stuff were able to survive it because they had the money to survive it yeah. you know mm -hmm. um and yeah just any crisis like it's all well and good if you you know have a private jet and you can fly yourself away yeah. and I'm kind of like that kind of affluence that I'm talking about is, is often like one percenters and movie stars and that yeah. sort of thing and movie they stars. also seem to be like some of the worst offenders mm -hmm. right now mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to like not taking things seriously or being flippant and yeah it's just it's really frustrating because for the rest of us you know plebeians <laughs> <laughs> you know we don't have those kind of resources at our disposal like even when we do have health insurance like I'm very lucky to be covered by the NHS here in the UK um, yeah. because I pay for that with my visa application um, but at the same time like you know I don't have as much of a cushion if I can't work um or if my you know if my industry industry were to like collapse entirely and I weren't I wasn't able to find work for a while on this so yeah it's it's the normal people who I think are taking this a little bit more seriously sometimes um for even sure. to the point of like panicking and like clearing all the toilet paper off the shelves like there must be people who just yeah. have like a room full of toilet paper over here right now oh, I know it's and I guarantee they're not like the super rich people yeah super rich people I don't think they need to hoard. Actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think they must have some sort of like secret place that they can go get there. <laughs> yeah, or they can paper. just pay a lot of money to get it delivered. Yeah, like, that's that's the issue. Is like if you don't mind paying, like you know, three dollars for one roll of toilet paper, mm -hmm. then you'll be able to find toilet paper no matter what. But when yeah. you're concerned about like having to pay that much because you simply cannot afford it then of course you're going to go out and panic buy yeah absolutely um I understand the impulse I just wish people would stop <laughs> I know I, I do get that it's it's frightening um I do think last I heard that the recommendation was just to plan for like a month 
of possibly not being able to go outside. Um, and that would be at the worst mm. case scenario would be a month. Um, so that's what I kind of tried to keep in mind when I was mildly panic buying, <laughs> but certainly not hoarding. Um, so again, there's that difference between being prepared and being in a full panic. Um, and I don't yeah. think it makes sense to necessarily hoard all of the pasta in the store right now for, you know, your four person family. So uh, it's, it's trying to do that perspective too, which maybe then we can segue away from our wonderful game of millennial or not. And uh, do you want to jump into some of these, these other things about like celebrities uh, government responses, spring breakers, <laughs> fun stuff. But yeah, let's talk about um, let's talk about government responses because I think that's kind of the easiest place to start. Um, I mean, the UK government yeah. is like basically they started just strongly encouraging, let's say, strongly encouraging people to stay home if they could and to work from home and to social distance, but they didn't make any mandates, um, and they put it off and put it off and put it off. And then all of a sudden, the number of coronavirus cases started um, like going really high, and they realized they couldn't put it off anymore because people weren't listening. Because yeah. um, people are are mm-hmm. afraid, you know, they're afraid for the jobs, they're afraid for the economy. Um, and uh, so then finally, they put in orders uh, on Friday that all pubs, restaurants, sort of non-essential businesses need to close their doors. Um, especially places like restaurants where there's a high risk of, you know, transmission contagion. Um, and it was just because they didn't want to pay everyone, essentially. But they kind of had to give in to that. Yeah. Um, but it's, I think it's too little too late. I think that a lot of places, especially like London, for instance, um, they needed those measures in place a lot earlier because it is such close quarters. And it's harder in some aspects in the UK, like, we can't hoard because we simply do not have the space like our house is quite small so unless we're planning to like stock up on cans and dry yeah. goods which we've been trying to avoid like we would have to put them in our spare room because there's no room in our cupboards um and our fridge is about half the size of an american fridge freezer so it's just really hard to do that here and that's yeah. not the way that the shops are laid out like all of the grocery stores are like really really small and they're usually like small ones that are dotted around the city um, in different areas that everybody goes to. And then like when you need special stuff, you go to like the big one in town or like the larger store, like sort of outside of town um, because most people, like a lot of people don't drive. So yeah, it's just, it's really tough. <laughs> yeah. And also the NHS is like super taxed because um, the, like the <laughs> conservative government has just been like slowly defunding it um and waiting for it to like collapse in on itself but now there's no other like there's no alternative to it like you just you're seeing a lot of stories going around about nhs workers and how exhausted they are and they're having to like hire private staff like staff from private hospitals and like bring them back into the nhs because there's just not enough staff so yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty wild over here to be honest and really, I mean, it's it's pretty wild over here too. I mean, we recently got news that um, several people in the White House were briefed on how this could be impacting the economy, and several senators used that information to like deal with their stocks and buy certain things and sell certain things, um, all the while kind of telling people, "Oh, we don't know anything about this. It's going to be fine. The economy is going to be fine," um, which is obviously 
technically illegal, but I know that there's loopholes to kind of protect people in that scenario. So, I mean, that in itself, I think, is sort of telling about the American response to this, where initially from our president, there was so much denial of there being a problem. There was some like embracing from him of like this theory that it was a hoax or that it wasn't a real concern early on. Um, I think there were like coronavirus jokes, I'm sure, at the Oscars, for example, not that that's a government, but that's, again, sort of the mentality that was here in the U.S. for a long time was like, this is a joke. This is, it's not going to be a problem. Um, and a lot of that was supported by our government. Um, I will say that lately, like, uh, where I'm currently staying, um, had a very quick response rate, I thought, as soon as there was one case in the entire state, um, immediately things started to change. I mean. K through 12 was temporarily shut down. Um, colleges were advised to go online. Currently right now, uh, food is either delivery or like um, takeout only. So I think there is fairly response, like a good response on the state level at times, but the overall government was very slow to accept what was going on, I think. So yeah, that was, it's just sort of upsetting to see things. And, you know, we also have Trump calling it like the Chinese virus, which sucks. That was offensive. It sucks so yeah. bad that that's what he's doing. Um, and other people in government are doing, honestly, or defending him for doing. So Dan, I think it's easy to forget that some of this technically started in China, but it's being used as a way to, at least here, uh, to really kind of attack a certain group of people american people yeah yeah Uh, um and to kind of blame it on someone else like this isn't my problem this is the chinese people's fault which is insane it's uh, an insane thing to say (laughs) um you know but that's that's our government's way right now is just shift the blame onto someone else it's not my responsibility because we didn't start this kind of thing yeah i mean this is the this is the thing about like the UK passed the buck for so long, like yeah. the Tories passed the buck because they didn't want to deal with it. Yeah. They didn't want to take responsibility. And now we're kind of getting information that's like, oh, well, um, Boris Johnson is like threatening uh, like an Italian style lockdown at this point yeah. um, because nobody is paying attention to the guidelines. And the reason that that's happening is because people aren't taking it seriously because the government didn't make it serious enough to people yeah so (laughs) like whose fault is it you know yeah Yeah, it's just incredibly frustrating and then you know along with that you've got like the spring breakers and the amount of coverage that's being given to like celebrities and people who are like defying the social distancing and self-isolation guidelines is really kind of aggravating like stop talking to them yeah (laughs) If you don't give them a platform, people won't know. Yeah. Um, I get that they're on Twitter and they have like millions of followers and on Instagram and everything. But, you know, if you stop writing news articles about it, that's yeah. I think a, a good way to probably not inform people who are trying to take that tax who would have otherwise not known. Because um, yeah. it really, I think it just comes down to like, do you care about your own ability to like go touch things that other people have touched than like vulnerable people's lives (laughs) i know and that's something that we've both been chatting about recently is celebrities are having a role some celebrities are very much advocates for like staying home granted maybe at times misguided because i think it leaves out people who have no choice but um 
uh, we have some people like Evangeline Lilly, who you might know from Lost or the Hobbit films or the Ant-Man films, who is, you know, kind of blatantly saying she prefers her freedom uh, over being quarantined or over like... I mean, don't we all? Um, (laughs) I know. (laughs) I would would love to be able to just like go wherever I want to go right now and do whatever. I'd love to hold classes. I know. So I'm assuming that she must not know anyone who's ill right now because I would hope she wouldn't say something like that. Um, But yeah, you know, we have celebrities like her and others, I'm sure, saying similar things. Um, There was the whole Vanessa Hudgens scandal. That was a lot of fun. Um, Someone who I was starting to really like again because I enjoy her cheesy Christmas movies on Netflix um, that she's been in like a couple of those now. I have the exact quote of what she said, although I think we all know at this point. Um, she was talking about <laughs> the length anyway. of the virus, and she just said, yeah, till July sounds like a bunch of bullshit. I'm sorry, but, like, it's a virus. I did it. I respect it. But at the same time, like, even if everybody gets it, like, yeah, people are going to die, which is terrible, but, like, inevitable? Um, and you know, and in fairness to her, she's tried really hard, I think, lately to change her image about that. And like, she's apologized now. It took her a little while <laughs> to apologize, but she did. And like, I'm not trying to like, persecute Vanessa Hudgens or anything, but like, no, but we're, it's sort we're of seeing like... a lot of. <laughs> it's just validating other people to feel like they can go on spring break. Like a lot of the Gen Zers, which not to sound like a boomer, but a lot of the Gen Zers <laughs> are going on spring break trips right now. Um, and it's just, you know, things like yeah, that. Remember <laughs> After we just went on a whole rant about, you know. In my day. <laughs> but, you know, it just sort of helps those people feel like that's an okay thing to do because at least some other people with bigger platforms are saying the same thing. And that does worry me a little bit. Yeah, I think, so when I had to close the studio, like, obviously, it's upsetting, and I was hoping to keep going as long as we could, but I had mm-hmm. my misgivings about it, like, um, earlier in the week, I was think, I was saying, you know, I think maybe I should close, yeah. and people mm-hmm. were kind of discouraging me, but the reason that I thought we should close earlier is, one, I wanted to kind of go, like, close on my own terms, um, if I could, and I wish I had done it earlier. And two, because I didn't want to be the person that was like responsible for somebody else getting sick and getting really seriously ill or dying. Um, I know that we have like no way of knowing that sort of thing, but yeah, I'm, I don't want to go visit elderly people right now. Or I don't want to, like, I have a lot of students who work in like healthcare related industries and stuff yeah. like that. They could easily pass to somebody who has a compromised immune system. Um, I myself have like, I, I wouldn't say that I am sort of like officially immunocompromised or anything, but I do have a really poor immune system and I'm really susceptible to stress yeah. um, and I get sick really easily. So I didn't really want anybody coming in and giving yeah. it to me um, and like knocking me out of work for however long it takes me to recover. Because um, the other thing is like, I don't, I know that the majority of people aren't showing symptoms, mm-hmm. but and I think this is the problem is like, we don't because the government's trying to limit the, the panic that's happening and the number of people who are coming in and trying to get tested who don't yeah. have symptoms, they're not giving a lot of information about yeah. the symptoms. But when it hits somebody hard, it's really serious. Yeah, it's, um, it's lethal. It's, it's, it's really lethal. It's really serious. It's really, it's like 
much worse than the flu, mm-hmm. which I think everybody's sort of like, well, people die from the flu every year and that's the problem. And, and I think that's kind of a, it's just irrelevant, you know, it's a distraction, like it's an entirely different things in the flu. Yeah. Um, because it's a respiratory disease that affects the lung. Yeah. And so people who have asthma like me or um, people who deal with like COPD and like lung disease of any kind, like, you know, it, they end up with pneumonia and that sort of thing. So I think that's the thing is like, we don't really have very good information about what it looks like when it's really bad, um, which is kind of yeah. a good thing because you don't want people being like, oh my God, I have, you know, like, I don't know, a bruise on my left toe. That means I have coronavirus and panic and then calling the doctor and going, if they don't need to, we don't want to give them (laughs) too much information. But at the same time, it's like really hard to convey the gravity of the situation, I think, without doing that. So it's definitely like, it's tough. I know it's tough for like local governments and, and, you know, the national governments. But um, on some level, I think it would help people to take it slightly more seriously. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, some of my students before we left were all fairly uninformed, I think, about how viruses work. Um, They they thought (laughs) if they didn't visit certain cities and they would be fine. Uh, And I was just had to try to have a talk with them and be like, that's not really how the virus works. I I hope you understand. Just because you don't visit like Los Angeles doesn't mean that you're not going to get sick because people travel. This is how it's been happening. we again are in an industry where a lot of people or our, our town has a major industry where a lot of people come and go um and travel through mm. for that reason so yeah it was i kind of turned into a health teacher for a minute for a lot of them um even though i'm not at all yeah. qualified to be a health teacher i'm an english professor <laughs> <laughs> i don't entirely know what i'm talking about but i know at least enough to be like but that's not how a virus works you guys really have to take this seriously like it, it was interesting again trying to see especially from some of the younger again i'm sounding like a boomer but some of the younger generations and i think just not being <laughs> aware or like understanding fully what this means um for whatever reason yeah i i felt pretty lucky like i put out a, a post on social media just, and i talk to my students and like put up stuff all over the website being like you know these are the guidelines like at limited class sizes um and then before that I made everybody bring in sort of their own materials like um I was making everybody wash their hands before they came in and like it was disinfecting surfaces yeah that they might have to touch like as they came into the building and stuff so because we're located in like inside of another premises um and then it got to a point where like there was no soap in the bathroom (laughs) and stuff like that and I was like great um this is super helpful in this time so that was kind of I think when I started to have my doubts about staying open um so yeah I don't think anybody I had a couple of people who had to self-isolate because they either were at events where there were lots of people or um they had some kind of symptoms that like they were told you know it doesn't sound like it's coronavirus but you should self-isolate anyway because you know you would feel terrible if, if somebody else got sick um but those people that did have to self-isolate were like really good about letting me know what was going on and not coming in um so yeah it was it was pretty good I and like most of my students are like in their like early 20s to like up to their 30s and stuff yeah um so yeah like it's 
it's interesting just to see how that played out. But I was also just really clear and firm about how, like, if we're going to stay open, this is kind of how we have to do it. Because um, I was taking it really yeah. seriously. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, but it's hard. I know that, like, you know, I'm doing fine. Like, I'm kind of, in a lot of ways, I'm yeah. a homebody. So I don't mind staying <laughs> home. Um, like I'm keeping busy, yeah. um, but also it's partially because I have to like move my entire business online. So that's been keeping me very busy lately. I've only just and kind I know of that, to relax today. I don't know. I know that like, for example, as much as I'm a homebody, I am realizing how much I do appreciate being able to go out to get like a coffee or something or because Starbucks is usually my like escape <laughs> route for when I've been inside too long or something like that. So that's something I'm really kind of like struggling with personally um yeah I do I'm really missing being able to just like go into the city and get a coffee or like yeah go get pastry from the bakery or whatever I think the the thing I'm struggling with too is like how much do I like I could just not have any classes whatsoever um or I could keep running them and I'm like I'm trying yeah. to keep running them obviously <laughs> but then I'm also kind of like struggling with the ethical concern of like profiting off of the fact that people are stuck at home being like hey like yeah. have the online classes and some of them are like people who've not come to classes before and then but I know some of my students are also really appreciative of the fact that I'm still running them and I have like <laughs> like I've created different um pricing things for <laughs> like social distancing <laughs> classes essentially <laughs> so they're a lot cheaper like because they're shorter classes we're not we're not doing as much like poll work and everything but it's super hard to kind of know, yeah. like, am I doing the right thing? But I know that, like, for my students who are, um, you know, want to continue to come to classes once we're back and who are already, like, really sad that we're not doing classes now, like, this is going to enable me to continue to provide services for them, like, once this is all over. Yeah. So it's it's hard to know. And then it's, like, really, like, because I do marketing for my other jobs, like, the language around everything is really sticky yeah um so I don't know it's kind of it's kind of hard to figure out like what tax to take but yeah um, and I think you're probably doing better than some of the bigger companies I've seen like <laughs> kind of taking advantage of this like I keep getting Facebook ads for uh like stars or something or at like HBO being like oh, this is the time when you really want to binge watch Outlander. It's always been Outlander ads, very specific <laughs> Outlander ads. Like, catch up on what everyone's been talking about. I'm like, hey, okay. Nobody <laughs> wants to see reality. We're all looking for escapism, and that's why it's Outlander. <laughs> uh, probably. Um, or, you know, like, uh, for example, with the film industry being the way it is right now, like, most theaters are closed. I was considering uh, streaming The Invisible Man, because that's one that I wanted to watch. And it costs like twenty dollars oh, yeah. to stream it. I'm like, that's more than I would Aww. spend to go to the movie theater, that's right? Insane. No, crazy. Price and so there's. <laughs> yeah, I so I imagine you're doing a lot better than the some of the soulless corporations are doing. Because um, again, you know, <laughs> it's your job, and people probably still want the service. And um, um, but you have a you have like a following basically of people who are probably still interested. So, and you're not, I'm sure, being unreasonable about it no not at all if anything I'm probably <laughs> undercharging but yeah I think I just I like feel bad about capitalizing but on the same level it's like most of what I'm trying to do yeah. is just like keep people engaged and like you know I don't want 
something as, as a teacher that I don't want is probably like very similar to what teachers feel when their kids go home for summer vacation oh, yeah. and then they come back and they've yeah. like forgotten everything. <laughs> like that's kind of one of my fears. It's like, and I think like, I think if my students have that fear as well as they're like, they're going to go home, they're not going to have access to the studio and like all of their progress is just going to go, you know, kaboom and, yeah. and disappear. Um, and that's not, you know, it's not quite how it works, but it definitely helps yeah. if you are doing stuff. And, you know, I run a couple of flexibility classes each week um, during, you know, normal, normal times <laughs> in the olden days before this happened. Um, I run a few flexibility classes each week. And, you know, most of my students, like they know how to warm themselves up now. They know the stretches. I could probably tell them to do it without me explaining all of this I was like yeah do stretches to work on your back bend like they could probably remember a bunch of things that we do but they don't come for that reason they come for like the socialization aspect and they come for the accountability um which is why people go to gym you know or go to like any sort of fitness classes like a lot of the stuff they can do at home but they don't yeah (laughs) so yeah that's kind of where I'm coming at it and also like my, my patreon is like what you can afford like yeah <laughs> watch these videos I yeah. have like three subscribers it's great um, I mean that's a start so <laughs> it's a start it's something um and once I get like more videos up and stuff I'll start doing like tiered packages and everything yeah and I mean really like kind of you're still entitled to make a living too I mean even though it's a yeah, weird time I have to eat exactly <laughs> um and that's the same thing with other people that have to go to work I mean I know that social distancing is a big thing but at the same time you're still if your job is still open and letting you work you're entitled to go to work just try and be safe of course and like wash your hands and yeah and all of that um but you shouldn't feel badly I guess about still having to work I think it's just like one of those things of I still have like guilt of like ha- being a business owner under like hashtag capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I feel like what I do, like what I do as a business, like pole dancing, the pole dance community is like kind of very anti-capitalist because we're just kind of, yeah. yeah. We're not, we're not supported by the powers that be in a lot of ways. So we're kind of like screw you to the powers that be. Yeah. Um, um, well, maybe pretty soon capitalism will be, will be in his grave. <laughs> maybe we'll see (laughs) but yeah I think the thing that I am going to do next is like you were saying I'm going to like set a schedule and make some goals like I went and got a bunch of books from the library and I kind of want to try and read a book a week um yeah and yeah so I think I have like no I have seven books from the library plus like my shelf full of books that need to be read (laughs) yeah um and and then some really because uh, I also have a Kindle. Um, if your library has already closed near you, you can always um, rent ebooks, which you can read on your phone or a computer. Um, that's always a good way to to get hold of those sort of things. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to set a schedule and like make myself a to do list and everything because uh, otherwise it will just end up binge watching yeah. House MD. Um, which I've been doing for a while, <laughs> but like it's just intensified. Like today, I was like lying in bed watching House um, for a while before I got up to make dinner. So. Yeah, uh, I mean, I've been kind of trying to do the same thing. I, I also highly recommend binge watching. That's been helping me a lot. The one that I just binge watched, binge watched. There we go. 
is Schitt's Creek, and it's spelled S-C-H-I-T-T-S, which just makes me laugh so much. (laughs) (laughs) It's technically a last name. Um, And like that one, I want to say in particular is something I would recommend uh, just because I think that's a show that I wouldn't have given a shot. um, If you weren't. Yeah, if I went episodes and thought, oh, that's fun, but I don't really want, because the premise is about like these this really rich family that suddenly becomes very poor and they have to move to this place called Shit's Creek um, and like mingle <laughs> with the commoners. And so I'm like, this is kind of funny, but like also like I'm having a hard time connecting to these protagonists. Um, but since I, was, <laughs> since I had the time to give it a chance, it's actually a really sweet, uplifting show about like connecting with other people and growing. And I think it's actually it ended up being kind of a good thing for me right now um that seems really timely as well yeah it turned out to be quite timely the first five seasons are on netflix at least there might be a couple other places but i watched it on netflix um and i think they're in their last season right now that's airing so definitely hop on that that would be my recommendation but binge watch whatever you want um um, yeah i recently kind of stress ordered speaking of panic buying i kind of stress ordered some jigsaw puzzles that i'm hoping we'll get here soon uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know they take me a long time and so it'll be nice to have something that'll take me a long time um to work on and uh I've been also watching some like yoga videos specifically yoga with Adrian. um her name is A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E I believe um and it's just a really kind of she has a lot of different practices on there so that's been nice but of course there's tons of like exercise videos out there including pennies, so. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, if you want to do flexibility with me, I will put my Patreon link on here and yes. Shelby can add them to the show notes. Um, yeah, so um, I was gonna say, if you want to support, like the big thing for me is lately, I really want to support local businesses. Um, so I actually persuaded my boyfriend not to go to any of the big supermarkets uh, yesterday. And we just bought some like local places and stuff. Um, just because we're the people then are going to get hit the hardest, um, essentially, by all of this. Um, so if there's like a local yoga studio near you that's moving their stuff on- online, or um, I know a lot of personal trainers and gyms are making online videos either on Patreon or um, other paid platforms uh, that require very little to no equipment. So like all of my um, tutorials, like I, I teach pole dance, but um, you know, I did a stretching tutorial and don't even need any yoga blocks. You don't even need a yoga mat. Like all I used really was a chair, um, just to balance on, uh, to like put some weight on my hand on. Um, and I'm kind of going to keep going in that way. Um, because I really want to just continue making it accessible for people who have never done pull before or a done pull and they've been away from it or they've done lots pull or they come to my studio like I don't know eight times a week or something that they just don't have it at home um and yeah I think most people are kind of taking that tack like you know if like water bottles filled with water instead of like yeah. waste and that sort of thing. So there's lots of ways to support local businesses yeah. and also like creative businesses so um you know, sort of crafty places that offer workshops and things. Um, or like one of my friends is um, like a uh, life drawing model. Um, and so she's offering like online life drawing classes. Okay. Um, so like stuff like that. There's like 
lots of people doing that. So if you're in like kind of any local like Facebook groups for your community and stuff, I imagine there's lots of people, small businesses who would really appreciate the help. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm sure there's tons of people in anyone's area that are doing these sorts of things. Um, but again, we do have a great example right now with Jenny um, and anything local <laughs> that you can find, I'm sure would be a really great idea. Um, any other recommendations? I think now is the time to like do the things that you've always wanted to do and yeah. either didn't because you thought they were lame or like mm -hmm. you didn't do because you didn't think you had time. So like, yeah. Um, I have, I was trying to learn French for a while and like I bought the subscription to the Memrise app at M as in Mary, E as in uh, elephant, M as in Mary, R, I, S as in Sam, E, Memrise. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a really nice little language learning platform. And then I just kind of got away from it because I've been really busy. Um, and yeah, I just want to go back and like start learning French again. Um, so stuff like that, or if you've like always wanted to learn to knit, like yeah. there's nobody around to see you yeah. <laughs> watching knitting <laughs> tutorials on YouTube now, if you want to learn to knit, like nobody's going to worry about that you're knitting in your home. Um, and I guarantee you that the stores have knitting materials. I don't think anybody's going out and panic buying yarn and knitting needles. No, I don't um, think so. Or crochet hooks or, you know, <laughs> like whatever other craft you want to do that is probably like a really good, like now is the time you're going to have lots yeah. of time on your hands. I was also going to mm -hmm. say like, I think like we talked about yoga, obviously, and like, you know, online fitness classes and things, mm -hmm. but like do stay active. Like when you're like stuck inside, like it's really easy to get out of the habit of like, if you normally like walk around and everything like at your work or um, you go to the gym and stuff, like yeah. it's really easy to like fall out of the habit. And like now it's a really not not sort of the time to like lose those good habits but maybe replace them with other things um yeah so if you like if you're still going to work if you usually take public transport and that shut down like you could walk or you know in, instead of driving you could ride your bike things like that it's a good way to avoid um mm -hmm. other people in public transportation um yeah and then also like finding some places to go outside like uh, you know we have a really nice like, wooded area near our house that has lots of paths and stuff so we're probably going to go there like on some of the nicer sunnier days um and just like go for a walk and that sort of yeah. thing like be out in nature um yeah i mean i like for example i there's not a ton of like hiking places out where i am <laughs> to say the least um but certainly there's like nice neighborhoods right where i live um where not many people are out usually uh especially during the day and especially right now um, so even that, if you have a sort of a nice area nearby that you can walk a couple blocks, I mean, that's something that I've been doing as well. And it's been super helpful. Yeah, for sure. Do what you like. Don't worry about what other people think because they can't see you anyway. FaceTime, you FaceTime, know, FaceTime yeah. the people that can't, you know, be with because you're quarantined. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and just like, yeah, try and I think it's also having patience with each other. Like I know a lot of people are like arguing that they're significant others right now because they're not like agreeing on stuff or they're just tired of seeing each other all day, every day. Yeah. Which is fair. Yeah. But I think, you know, it's tough for everybody and just like trying to have a little bit more compassion for your fellow human. But yeah, I think the summary yeah. is basically like be kind to yourself yeah. and everybody else and try and set a routine and like do something good for your brain, good for your body, and hang in there. Yeah, I agree. <laughs>
thanks for listening to our podcast. This yes. has been um, surprisingly fun, considering yeah. that we're talking about coronavirus. So I think it's nice um, to get some things kind of off off your chest a bit um, that maybe you've yeah. been really worrying about or kind of thinking about. So it's been nice to kind of chat with each yeah. other uh, about this. Definitely. I think we both probably had a lot of like pent up anxiety about all of this. But on that note, I guess we'll go ahead and say goodbye. Um, stay safe out there. Yeah. Stay well, everybody, and stay inside. Stay home. Yes. <laughs> all right. This has been Millennial Bitch. Have a bitching good time. Bye. Bye.